name. There is nothing like the name of Jesus. I don't know how you feel sometimes when you're going through situations when it just seems like you're going through a trial, uh, whatever it is, and you begin to speak the name of Jesus. There's something about that name that the enemy, that the demons, they tremble at that name. So, that name. Speak it. Don't be ashamed of it. <clears throat> Forgot to tell Craig to, um, I was talking to Deanna, my daughter, about winter camp, and they need, um, if you're available or pray about some drivers to drive the kids up there. So if you have a, a van or one of those utility vehicles that you can sit more than three people in, um, that uh, they just need some people to to drive on a Friday night up to Green Valley and come home and then go back up on a Sunday morning and go pick them up. So if you think about that and you think, oh, I can do that, uh, just put it on a card and hand it to whoever's taking sign-ups out there. Just drop it in the usher's box and we'll take care of that, okay? So pray about that. Um, <clears throat> when we know that we know, when we know that we know, we would say that we are confident in what we know. Um, in, in other words, there is no doubt in your mind that you know. You know, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, and no one can tell you otherwise of what you know at that time. And, and, and I know that some would consider that like, oh, you're just a know-it-all. And that might not be the case. It's just that in certain things, you just, like, know. Nobody has to, like, try to convince you otherwise. You just know. And as we get older in life, it just seems that we know a lot more. Some of us. Some of you. Know it all. Um, mainly because we've lived longer and we've had the experience to know certain things, and we could be very confident in those kinds of things. And so, again, it's not that we're like, oh, just come and tell me, ask me about, I know about everything. We don't know about everything. We think we do, but we don't. And it doesn't mean that at all. We just know certain things. We just know a lot more as we get older. And, and, and teenagers don't seem to understand that at times. You know, bless their little hearts. Um, they forget that we were all once there and we were know-it-alls at that time. And as we got older, we realized how much more our parents knew. You know, because all of a sudden you're like, they did know, you know? But it's just life. Life helps you to know things a little bit more. And um, as they get older, they'll, they'll realize they knew very little. I don't mean to harp on you teenagers, but I could make fun of you guys because we were once there. I shouldn't make fun of older people because I'm getting there, <laughs> although I do sometimes. And so anyways, 
with what we have been studying in the book of Hebrews, my hope and my prayer for you um, is that you would know that you know what you believe in. That you would know what you know about what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. Honestly, guys, last week, I was just like stinking blown away of what happened here. I, I, I've just been blown away. I don't, I don't want to live on yesterday's manna. I, I really don't, <clears throat> because what happened last week was whatever happened last week. And God did a, a work in people's lives. And I just stood back and just kind of like, wow, Lord, what just happened? And some of you guys experienced something for the first time in your lives. And my hope and my prayer is that as you walked out those doors, and I've just been praying for, for you guys because I know Satan's a punk and he is a liar. And he is coming after you on a continual basis, and some of you walked out that door and got co-cocked, and it's like, bam, back to where you were, and some of you guys are going, no, I'm fighting, I'm, I'm going for it, and man, my hope and my prayer is that you know that you know, and if you got lied to as soon as you walked out that door, that you would come back to reality and say, no, no, I'm not going to let him do this to me again, because he lies to you. And so, man, I've just kind of been blown away with all that had been going on. But anyways, that you would be so confident, not arrogant, but confident in knowing about him and knowing what he has done in your life, that there would be nothing that will sway you ever again. Oh, I'm not saying you're not going to stumble. I'm not saying you're not going to fall. I'm not saying those things, but that you will not be swayed in what you believe in, that you would keep the course. And when those winds come, it's like, I'm just going to keep the course. You're going to bear in. I mean, we get some heavy duty winds up here sometimes where it's like, whoa, you know, that that wouldn't happen in your faith, that you would just lean in to where you're not going to be swayed any longer because you're confident in what you, in, in what you know. that you would have no doubt ever again. You know, it's important, it's important to do something with what you know. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, because I'm not a good car mechanic, I was thinking about somebody who knows everything about cars. And you don't do anything with that. You don't work on your own car, nor do you help other people with their problems on their cars. But you know everything that could be known about a car. What a shame it would be to have that much knowledge and do nothing with it. Not for yourself and not for anybody else. And what we know about Jesus as to what he has done, what he is doing, and what he, sh he will do in our lives should move us to action. It should move us to action. I don't know how that's going to play out in your life, but it would move you to action because of what you know. Because what a shame it is to know what you know and do nothing with it. That's a shame. 
Again, I know what that looks like in my life, and I'm still asking, Lord, I want more of that. I want, I want to be challenged in, in my life because I don't want to be stagnant. You have given me a lot of understanding of what your word says. What do I do with that? Not just behind the pulpit, but what do I do with that on a regular basis in my life? And guys, I just want to encourage you and challenge you that with what you know, and you're going, well, it's not a lot, but what do you know? With the little that you know, what are you going to do with that? On Thursday nights, we've been going through the book of Acts. And I've been sharing this quite a bit because, especially in the beginning of Acts, when the Spirit is poured out upon the disciples, and all of a sudden, something happens in their life, and they are never the same after that. Especially Peter. Peter knew from experience, because he walked with Jesus, but now that Jesus was gone, he still knew from experience because he felt and he knew that the Holy Spirit had come upon him, that the Holy Spirit was not just in him, but upon him, and he just threw himself out there continually. I'm sure sometimes they're going, Peter, just shut up. But he would like throw himself out there, and when he did that, things happened. And I know some of you are going, man, I just, I can't. It's like, I'll challenge you, throw yourself out there, open your mouth. Pray for situations, Lord, put me in situations where I either stand up for you or I deny you. And I know right now, you're, oh, I'll never deny Jesus. Ah, yeah, you will. There'll be times that you do. But pray for those situations. Put me out there, Lord. Put me out there. If I fail, help me to stand back up and go for it. So with the knowledge that we have, it would be a shame to waste it in our daily lives. And this morning, we are moving into the last section of Hebrews. There's been three sections in Hebrews. He was building the case as to who Jesus is. He, he, he built the case that he is our high priest. And now we are moving into the last section of Hebrews, which is a life of faith. And guys, this is where we put all that we know into action. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you put feet to your faith and you begin to move. Some of you guys are already doing that. I know that. But he wants to move you even more. And so we're in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brethren... Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a pure heart or with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. From the, from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider 
one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly, assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as you see the day approaching. Oh, Lord, prepare our hearts. <laughs> That's my prayer right now, prepare our hearts. As we go to verse 19, and he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, because of all that we have been taught, can you imagine the reader of this, of this letter right now? With all that he has been reading in this letter in a one-time sitting, he gets to this portion and he says, therefore, because of what we've just been talking about, what you have been taught, and, that, and it's almost like, can you imagine yourself sitting with this group of believers at that time, and, and, and now you're being put in this, in this place where you are being told by the writer that because of what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. He says, therefore, <laughs> have boldness. Have boldness to enter into the holiest of all, the most holy place, the holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus. Now, in the physical realm, these readers would never even contemplate entering anything that had to do with the holy place or the holy of holies. If you were here a few weeks ago, we were talking about the holy place and the holy of holies, how it was an area about this big where all these seats are at to about where I'm at, somewhere around here. And, and two-thirds of it was the holy place that the priest went into, and, and the, the last third of it was where the high priest once a year went into because that was the presence of God. And he went in with blood. He went in with blood once a year and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. And he didn't linger long. He just presented it to the Lord and like found out, okay, I can walk out. I'm not going to be struck dead because I'm in your presence. And then he jammed out of there. Whew, I got another year. <laughs> And so here, here, no worshiper, no Jew would even think about, would have the boldness, the audacity to go in there and even try to, to, to take that place of the high priest. Because everyone knew it's only the high priest. Because this thing was reserved to enter into that, that holy of holies for one man and one man only, for one time out of the year and one time only. And he is being told by the reader, hey, now you have the boldness. Now you can walk into the holy place in heaven, spiritually speaking, with boldness. Not because you're so good, but because of the blood of Jesus that has been shed. Because of that, that has already, like, the sacrifice has been paid. So now you have the opportunity to walk in to the holy pl place the presence of God with boldness. Man, oh man. Whew. Just like a kid would rush into his dad's office where nobody else could rush in. 
It's like, no, you need an appointment to go talk to that man. But his kid is like bust open because he has the boldness. Why? Because that's his daddy. He could care less if everybody else bows down to him or has to make an appointment to go see this man. It's his daddy. He doesn't have to make an appointment. He just rushes in boldly. That's what he's telling us to do. He, we have a God in heaven. We have a daddy up in heaven that, that has allowed the door, the veil, to be torn apart or torn down so that we can enter in boldly without, without hesitation. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Without hesitation. Again, man, can you imagine these readers <laughs> going, whoa, what are you talking about? He says, therefore, because of what we've been talking about, you have this boldness. <clears throat> now, it just, now, it wasn't just because they had been taught this. They had also experienced something in their life, spiritually speaking. They had been brought up in, in, in religion, in trying to reach God. And, and, and at one point in their lives, somebody came and preached the gospel to them and realized that God had come down to their level and they experienced Jesus coming into their life. They did not have to reach a pinnacle or, 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 or move up to reach God. God had come down to their level, just like he has done with us. His standards for us, he comes down to our level. Isn't that nice? <laughs> because I think on a Thursday night I was sharing with people, I cannot live by your standards. Because some of you guys have some stinking high standards. But I could truly live by God's standards because he came down to my level. Now, it's not saying that he's not holy. He is truly holy. But he knows I could never reach a certain level. So he comes down to our level. And so now, because of that, he opens the door and says, come on in anytime you want. You don't have to wait. You see, they had experienced that. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. A, a, a spiritual experience. Because some of you might be, have been sitting here for a while, but you've never experienced a spiritual happening. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I have this relationship with God. It's not no longer I have to reach. I have to do. He has come down to my level, and now I can talk with him. I could have this intimate relationship with him. The pressures that these people back then were feeling from their, their, their peers, the pressure was to come back to what they could see with their eyes, with the physical. But they had experienced something spiritual. And that's what the writer's been trying to get to them that they didn't need to go necessarily back to the physical realm. Yes, there's a spiritual life that we walk in, a, a physical life that we walk in, but there's a spiritual thing that you and I need to experience on a daily basis. And that's where, where he wanted them to be. You, you see, in the physical realm, there was a physical veil. That, that ended up being or acting like a barrier between God and the people. And nobody could enter in except with some blood. And again, we've gone through that whole thing. And that veil separated the, the holy place from the most holy place. 
And when Jesus died physically on the cross, that veil that separated, that was a barrier, was torn in two from the top to the bottom. In, in, in Matthew 27, 50 and 51, you can write these things down, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It, it is my understanding that this was a thick veil, very elaborate veil. And when Jesus finally died, paid the price, God did this, whoosh, ripped it open. Now there was access. Now you could see inside of it. Now he's saying there's no barrier whatsoever. It has fallen down. Tradition says that these high priests tried to sew it back up. And yet it was God that went... Whoosh, and so often God rips the veil and he says, you're free to come on in. And it's like, hold on, let me sew this up really quick. I don't know if I could enter into your presence. And he's going, let me rip that again. I'll rip it over here. I'll rip it over. Because he, he, he wants you in his presence. Isn't that amazing? That he wants you to come in anytime you want. You don't have to make an appointment with him. That physical veil represented the body of Christ, his flesh. That was sacrificed and torn, not only in the physical, but also in the spiritual. Which meant now that there was now a new and living way, as it says in verse 20. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. There was a new way to go in. No more the old road, the old and, and dead road, <laughs> which always led to a dead end. You always stopped at a certain point, and that was it. No, this was a new and living way. Again, in direct contrast to the old. That word new means newly slain. It was newly slain, not like the old sacrifices that had no life in them. This newly slain sacrifice brought life because it had life, and it has life even today to save you from your sin, to open up the veil for you. Because some of you are here, and you're, you, you, you feel far away from God. You feel like you have to match up. You have to do something to, to, to measure up to God. And he's saying, no, it, it, that, that sacrifice, that new and living way had life and it has life today to where you can come in even today. It, it, it didn't stop because now he lives on forever, this new and living way. And that is where we are to live in day by day. You see, this new and living way, is paved by the blood of Jesus or with the blood of Jesus. That's what it's paved with. And so now we have access. He, he, he is consecrated. He has set it apart so that this opening will always be open and we don't have to sew it back up, nor does he want us to sew it back up. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus speaking, I am the way the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Guys, this is the only way <laughs> to have access because of the blood of Jesus, because his body was torn, representing the veil, it's torn, and, and, and we have this way opened for us. So because of all that we have read and been taught, and hopefully you have experienced this born-again experience, I ask the question, do you know that you know? Do you know that you know that you have a high priest over the house of God that sits at the right hand of the Father? If you know that, what do you do with that? What do you do with that knowledge? What do you do with that knowledge on a daily basis? Not just once a week. Not just every once in a while. What do you do with that knowledge that you have a high priest, that you have a way into the Father, what do you do with that on a regular basis? And what are you doing with that in the lives of others? Not just you, <laughs> but in the lives of others. How, how, how are you using that knowledge? The, the, these, these next few verses, these next three verses, 21, or 22, 23, 24, are probably the healthiest verses combined it, it, it's it's like a invitation to come and feast at a, at a salad bar i know some of you guys are like what salad bar who would feast on a salad bar <laughs> let me read them for you see if you can catch that verse 22 let us draw near with a pure or with a clean Ah, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an, uh, from the evil conscience and your, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works what we have here is lettuce 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 <laughs> it would make a vegetarian a glutton here in a good way if you're vegetarian can't believe you guys didn't catch that earlier some of you guys did it's like ah, yeah. let us let us draw near let us hold fast let us consider. Here's this threefold invitation that we have for those who know. Here is a call to those who have knowledge of what to do with the knowledge that you have. He, he, here's where the writer just steps into. It's like, okay, we've talked about all this, right? Therefore, because of all that, we have this invitation, let us draw near. Let us, con let, let us hold fast and let us consider. <clears throat> the only way that we can draw near is by having full assurance and faith. That is the only way we can draw near. 
that you know that you know that you know that you have that access to the Father. We are to draw near in faith, knowing that we know in who and why we believe. Entering into the Holy of Holies in heaven takes pure faith because you can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. And we're being asked to come in boldly all the time, whenever we want to. Purely spiritual. And so we have to know that we know that we've experienced the spiritual life. To order, in, in order to come in with, a, with, with a, a true heart. See, you have to understand that God has given you a, a, a true heart because he's forgiven you. Not because you're so honest, because of what he has done. Now you can come in with a true heart. You, you, you can, can come in guilt-free not because you've, you've, you've walked that line, because he's forgiven you for all the stupid things that we've, we, you've done. He's forgiven you that he doesn't want you to remember it ever again. So now you have to, by faith, enter in saying, I am guilt-free. I, 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 I repent and I'm guilt-free now. Now, I hope you understand that there is like a one-time, like, justification when when you are when you are saved he has forgiven you of all your sins past present future but it tells us that we are to to come in or, or come to him in in first john chapter one verse nine where, where it says if you say no wrong one if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, we do that on a daily basis. But it was a one-time deal that he's forgiven you. And I know that we sin each and every day, every last one of us. And so we, we ask for forgiveness. We acknowledge him in all our ways continually. And so now you have the faith or you can know that you can walk in guilt-free and that you have been washed. That takes faith, guys. Jesus is our full assurance. If you are in Jesus, then you have the full assurance of entering in. You have the full assurance that you know that you know that you can walk in because of what he's done. And so with that knowledge, do you enter in? Do you draw near to God? Knowing what you know now, do you do that? You can do this on a daily basis, and I'll tell you how. With prayer and his word on a daily basis. It'll change your life. I challenge you. I, I, I can guarantee you that if you do this, and I'm not saying if you try this once in a while. I'm saying I could guarantee you that if you do this on a daily basis, you will rest from all the stuff that you've been carrying. If you do this on a daily basis, you will rest in what you know because it becomes that real to you on a daily basis. Guys, I, I, again, I, I don't know how I can stress that enough. 
that you can have that full assurance. Because if you're trying it every once in a while, I can guarantee you, you are a miserable mess on a regular basis. Because you're not in his presence regularly. If you slack off from, from reading your word, and some of you guys, I mean, man, you guys can like, amen, brother. Can I give a testimony of what that means? Many of us can do that. Because you know what it means when you slacked off, you just felt distant. But he's telling us, man, we could do this. We could draw near to God on a daily basis. If you do this, then you will put feet to your faith and you will be surprised what will happen. If you actively enter in, if you are actively drawing near, then I could guarantee you he will draw near to you. Because that's what the word says. Draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. If you can be fully assured confident, knowing that you know that Jesus has changed your heart, he has sprinkled you with his blood to get rid of all guilt and to wash you clean. What is stopping you from entering in daily? What is stopping you from drawing near to, to God daily? He, he, he tells us in, in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We are to hold fast, retain, seize that hope. What we confess, that is our hope. In other words, we are to stand our ground not be moved, not easily swayed in what we believe in and in who we believe in. Now, now I hope that this doesn't sound like it's a walk in the park because it's not. I hope it sounds more to you <clears throat> like you're marching into a war zone <laughs> because that's what it is. Because you will battle this. <laughs> Every day. It's not that easy to enter in on a regular basis, isn't it? Oh, man, life just gets really busy, doesn't it? Man, oh, man, I don't have time. How many times have you heard that one or said that one? It's a war zone. It's a war zone to enter in daily. It's a battle to, to be in that place daily. And to hold fast and retain and seize our hope is a battle daily. What we confess, the world hates. And so, because of that, what we confess, because the world hates it, then pressures, trials, and tribulations will come. Because we confess our allegiance to Jesus and the hope that he has given to us, our former master... <laughs> is out to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you're trying to accomplish in Christ. Not to mention that your stinking flesh is not too happy about that decision. <laughs> so you have three enemies that you're battling, 
to, to enter in, to confess, or to hold fast. You got the world, you got Satan, and you have your own flesh fighting against you on a regular basis. So it's not a walk in the park, guys. It's not. But we were never told through the scriptures that it would be a walk in the park. It would be a battle daily. So if you know this, <laughs> what do you do with this knowledge? You allow the one who promised to keep you to keep you. You allow the one that promised to keep you to keep you. Let him do that in you. As you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And don't waver in this. Don't vacillate in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, let him do that in your life. Allow him to just penetrate your life continually. Press into him on a regular basis, knowing that, man, you have this freedom to be in his presence. Do it. So with these two invitations that we have to draw near and to hold fast, what do we do after we've answered that call or those calls? It says that we, we he says, let us consider one another. Let us actively and, and continuously care to watch over each other. Ooh. I, I, I think that in this last one, I think that this is where Christians begin to falter. This is where Christians begin to hesitate and wane because it's like, well, I, I could do these other things. I could draw near to God and I could hold fast, but man, I don't know if I want to consider the guy sitting next to me. Or the guy on the other side of the room here. Because now you're becoming accountable to one another. This is where your relationship, your vertical relationship with the Lord becomes a horizontal relationship with other people. This is where now you begin to like put your, your, your faith in action, your relationship that you have so close with Jesus, so tight with Jesus. This is where he's saying, now I want you to consider one another. <laughs> I want you to, to be there for one another. I, I, I don't want you to be selfish in this relationship because our relationship with Jesus should not be selfish. Oh, I love my time with the Lord just by myself. But man, if I just did that all the time, what good is it if I don't share it with my family? <laughs> What good is love and good works if I am not wanting to contribute <laughs> in other people's lives? This is where love and good works comes into play. It's not so much, what can I get from this relationship from others? It should be, what can I give in this relationship to others? This is where we start ministering to one another. This is when we begin to, to, to have this love for one another. This is where we have community, fellowship, assembling together because of Christ. This is where we begin to stir up love and good works. 
there's something to be said about gathering together, being with one another. Last week, it just blew my mind as I was watching you, you, minister to one another. It just felt like the Lord just took me out of the, that realm and just watched as people were getting ministered to by one another. That couldn't have happened if you would have stayed home. Some of you guys got freed up last week and it wouldn't have happened if you would have decided, nope, I'm not going to talk to anybody this morning. Man, there's something heavy on my heart, but I'm not going to let anybody else know. What good would he have done for you if you would have just walked out those doors or not come at all? There's something to be said about this, getting together. You know, when I ask people, hey, so how are you doing in the Lord? Or how are you doing with the Lord? Well, I haven't been in church in a long time. Like, well, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking about this kind of relationship right now. <laughs> how are you and God doing? And they're going, well, I'm not doing a lot of this. It's like, well, I could guarantee you that. If this isn't flowing very well, you're probably not doing this very well either. Can I give you a, just a personal, how much time we got? Oh, geez. A personal testimony. And, and, and that's all I can give you, a personal testimony. I guess I could, I, could, I could draw from what I've seen, both good and bad in others, but just a personal testimony. This is just me and for my family. In all the years that I've been walking with the Lord, I have never gone weeks or months without gathering together with people. I have never gone weeks or months and, and that kind of coincides with I have never gone days or weeks without reading the Word. It, it's just been a daily thing in, in my life. I, I, as I was thinking about this and sharing, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I thrive on being with you guys. For the last 30-some years, I have thrived hanging out with believers. Guys, I, I've never... I've, I've, not because I'm behind a pulpit. I would be here even if I didn't work here. <laughs> I have. I have never gone a long period. I, and, and, and in that time frame, it's been multiple times a week that I'm gathered together with other believers. And guys, please mi don't misunderstand me. I am not sharing this with you because I am so good. I'm not sharing with you because I am so holy or anything like that. If anything, it's quite the opposite. I need fellowship. I truly need it. I know what would happen to me if I didn't hang around with you guys on a regular basis. I just know where I'd be. But I've never been there because I've never allowed myself that time to be away for so long. And some of you guys can, again, go, I can testify to that. Because it's been sporadic. It's been like here and there. It's been, and, it's like I, and I bet you you're struggling. Yes. Because it's hard. It's hard. Guys, it's hard to love one another if you're not around others. It's hard to do good works for one another if you're not around others. It really is. It doesn't work that way. So could it be? Is it possible? That those in that day, those believers, is it possible that 
that he's writing this to them in the manner that he's writing to them because they were forsaking the assembling together with the brethren. Maybe there was some already that were going, well, we don't have to go gather together. And guys, I understand that. You, you don't have to be here to be a Christian. You don't have to be in fellowship to have a relationship with God. I know you know that. But it's very vital if you want to continue to kind of just grow and be on fire. You, you, you may have heard this illustration before, but if you have, bear with it for those who haven't. When you have a bed of coals, you know, some of you guys love to barbecue. Even if you're like in your wood-burning stove, you put, you put wood in there, man, it gets nice and hot, and it's like red, red hot. But if you take those coals that are red, red hot, you can look for the, the reddest ones. Don't do this with your fingers. Get some tongs. And, and, and you can reach in there to the, the reddest one, take it out, and put it off to the side. I could guarantee you within an hour or two hours, you could probably pick it up with your fingers because it's gotten cold. That's what happens, guys, to our lives. When we decide, I don't need those other people in my life. I don't need them. I can do this all by myself. I could guarantee you, you will burn out a lot quicker than those who are gathering together on a regular basis. I, it, it, it just what happens. And so what we have here in the three lettuce, lettuce, lettuce verses, we have the trinity of Christian character, the trilogy of our actions, the trifecta of our Christian race is what we have here. We have faith, hope, and love. Go over those verses and circle what it says, faith, in verse 22. Verse 23, we have our hope. And in verse 24, love. Faith, hope, and love. What you do or what we do with what we know, what are we doing? What are we going to do that? Or what are we going to do with that? As we see the day approaching, as it says at the end of this portion, as you see that day approaching. Now you can take that as, as you get older, as you get closer to eternity, because you're one day closer to dying than you were yesterday. And you're one day closer to the rapture where, where Christ will come and gather us up. What are we going to do with what we know as we see that day approaching? Are you just going to kick it? Are you just going to like, well, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do with this. Or will you begin to get excited about how God can use you? How, we, how are we going to live our lives as we see the day approaching? How are we going to live our lives knowing what we know? Please, 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 as I close up here, do not make God, Christianity, or your gathering together with the brethren don't make this a priority. God is not a priority, people. I know we often say that. Oh, he's my first priority. Usually with priorities, we prioritize what's more important. And that, oh, it's like God's in the top. God is not, because this is what happens oftentimes with priorities. Well, we've checked that one off. Let me go to the next one. I mean, 
No, God is our life. Christianity is your life if you're a Christian. If it's not a priority, walk in that daily. Wherever you go, whatever is your first priority, God should be in that. Whatever is your second and third and fourth and fifth priority, God should be in that too. Because he's your life. He is your life. Make him your life. And it's interesting, if you don't make him a priority and you just make it your life, you'll be surprised what you can fit into your life. Because <laughs> oftentimes it's like, oh, I'm just too busy or I'm too tired or I'm this or I'm that. It's like, man, don't you think we miss you <laughs> when you're not here? Don't you think you have a lot to offer for other people? You do. You have a lot to offer. Oh, I don't have that much. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I want to encourage you that you walk, that you draw near, that you hold fast, and that you consider one another. Amen? Amen. Let's close, close in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we're just in awe with what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Many of us, Lord, God, you have just truly challenged us in these last few weeks, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would continue to encourage them in their life, in their walk with you, Lord. Father, many of them battled even harder this week because of what you did in their lives the other day. And Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, that they would not hesitate to draw near to you this morning. That, Lord, as the enemy has lied to them, that, Lord, they would realize, Lord God, that they need to hold fast to what they know, Lord God. And thank you, thank you, Lord, that this morning they're here to consider one another. That, Lord, you would just encourage them in that. Lord, remind them, Lord God, of the work that you have done are doing in their lives, Lord, and the mighty and awesome work that you have in store for them. So, Lord, I just thank you and praise you for my brothers and sisters this morning. Father, I pray that right now, Lord God, if there's anybody here who needs you desperately, Lord, they've never been able to go through that veil, Lord. They've always felt separated from you. I pray that even this morning, Jesus, you would show them Reveal to them that, Lord, you have come down to their level because you love them. And there's nothing they could do. You've already done it all. I just want to ask right now, those of you who are, are believers, be praying right now. Be praying. I just want to ask any of you that if you're here this morning and you know that you don't know Jesus personally, you have never entered into his presence on a regular basis, this morning... You need Jesus in your life. And I'm just going to ask that you just raise up your hand and I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody this morning that needs Jesus in their life? Just raise up your hand. I'm not going to make you come down. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. Anybody else? I just want to pray for you too. Father in heaven, I just pray for these two. I ask that, God, you would just minister to their hearts, Lord. That even right now, Lord, as we're praying, that they would be repenting. That they would be thanking you, Lord, for dying for their sins. And that you would make them new people, Lord. Father, we praise you and thank you, Lord. God, if there is anybody else that didn't do that, Lord, 
I pray that, Lord, you would capture their heart before they walk out of here, Lord. Or even as they're driving home, help them to repent and turn to you. And again, Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's